So let's read our text again, Hebrews chapter 11 and verses 8 through 16. <clears throat> By faith, Abraham, when he was called out into a place where, which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, knowing, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country that is and heavenly. Therefore, or wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Now shall we pray. Father, I pray that as the Christians, you would just speak to each of our hearts, Lord, I don't believe anyone in here would want God to be ashamed of their lives. And so, Father, we're asking you just to move in a very special way in this service. Encourage your people just to keep on keeping on. And I pray, Father, that we would just look forward to what you're going to do in this congregation and in this community through this congregation in the days ahead. And we'd ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. This morning we were looking at Abraham, these first few verses, and he left all. He left all. He had an inheritance. He had a, uh, just a house, things like that. He would dwell in tabernacles, that is, in tents instead of a house the rest of his life if he leaves. He goes to a land that he's never seen before. He couldn't find it on the internet, okay? And, and so he knew nothing about it, but God said to go. Not knowing whether he went, he went. Because God said to go. But he believed the promises of God. He was persuaded of them, and he embraced them. In other words, he said, I'm holding on to this, this for my life. I'll never let it go. And he embraced those promises and leaving us an example that in the service of the Lord, 
There's some words that are eliminated from your vocabulary, and one of those words is quit. Another word, uh, two words are go back. And he didn't do that. He stuck with it regardless of the circumstances. And so we, we see that he had God's call, and because of God's call, he went out, didn't really know what he was going into, but he knew that God is true. And what God would do for him is greater than all the problems that he would encounter in this life. So we saw first, having eternity set in your heart. And you only have that set in your heart because you're persuaded and you embrace the promises of God. You commit your life to him in separation from the world, but separated unto God. And that's the first step. But now the second thing I want you to see is that we don't need to establish goals for ourselves. We don't need to do that. Rather, we need to seek the will of God for our life, then establish as our main and only goal the pursuit of the goals that God has put in our life, the pursuit of that will, giving it our all, all our life, pursuing it with our whole heart. It is doing God's will, God's way, as God provides the timing. And that's how we do God's will. In uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, we read, there it says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Is that not what Abraham had to do? I mean, he had an inheritance, he left it. He had a land, he left it. He left those things. And so we see, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. I press. Now, I find that interesting, press. That sounds like an all-out effort, doesn't it? I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. And not just better, far better. You know, when you get in God's Word and you believe it and you seek His will for your life through His Word, then being persuaded of it, you then, by faith, you embrace it and then you begin pressing towards that high calling. But you're assured that when you arrive, it's far better than anything of this earth. It's far better than anything you leave behind. It's far better than anything this world says you could have had. It's not even worthy to be compared. So, let's allow this text to speak to our hearts first with some short uh, points from each of these verses that I want to make. First of all, going back to our text, verse 8, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance. Obeyed and went out, not knowing where he went. You know, sometimes we miss small words that mean a lot. 
that he should after receive for an inheritance. He wasn't going to something he already inherited. He was going there, and then God, in God's time, would give that land to his progeny. But he knew that. That he knew. He just knew God said to go, and he goes. And so God doesn't show you everything when he calls you. That's why we trust God for it. God doesn't show you all. He doesn't show you everything that's going to happen. See, ours is to trust that God is in control. God is in control all the way. Even when things look bad, God is in control. Everything wasn't great for Abraham on on this trip on the rest of his life. There's some failures and there were some victories. But understand, he never quit. He never went back on the promises of God. In verse 9, he says, By faith he sojourned in a land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, again that's tents, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Isn't it interesting today that you've got those people that believe in replacement theology? And and so all of of a sudden Israel is out the door. But they still claim, well, this was Abraham's thing. Now it's to us because all, uh, all of us will be blessed in Abraham. But uh, in speaking of the land, he said this promise went to Isaac and then to Jacob. Of course, Jacob is Israel. Now, does God go back on his promises? No, he doesn't. My God doesn't lie, okay? He doesn't lie. And by the way, those who believe in replacement theology, uh, do they think that we are so much better than the Old Testament Israel and the Jew? No. No. So, just trust God. Trust God to do His will and just do it and and leave the details up to Him. You just do what He says to do. Now, uh, by faith, they lived in that land in tents. There were problems. It was a strange culture for them. But they do not leave, nor do they quit. In verse 10, It says, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Okay, now, they looked for a city that had foundations, the builder and maker is God. But understand this. That city is described for us in Revelation chapter 21. It's estimated to be 1,600 miles wide, 1,600 miles deep, 1,600 miles high. and, And it's got 12 foundations jeweled. Precious jewels of foundations and then streets and, and of gold so pure and walls so pure that it says transparent glass and then the, the gates of pearl. And Jesus, the Lamb, the light of it, seven times brighter than the sun with that sun shining through all of those, that gold and those, those jewels and all that with all that reflection. Just think of the new earth and looking up and seeing that. You've not seen anything like that. But that's what he has for his own. That's the city they were looking for. 
In other words, they saw that city by faith, and so to do that, they lived according to the will of God now. It meant separation from the world. It meant being different from the world. But it's not because we're trying to be different from the world. We're trying to be like Christ. If you're going to be like Christ, you're going to be different from the world. Understand, the world hated Christ. They hated Christ. Now today, there's a lot of them that love a Jesus, but it's another Jesus, not the Jesus of the Bible. When you start preaching the Jesus of the Bible, they don't like that so much. Look at verse 11. And here's the lady. Here's a lady that was focused on the finish. It says, through faith... Also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. You know, isn't it interesting that more people focus on Sarah giving Abraham Hagar her maid and they say more about that than they do about this? Now, understand, in that day, you see, here's a failure in their life. They went with what the culture and the laws, this is actual law in that day, that a wife who had not conceived and could not conceive and not have a child, they could choose a maid and give that maid to their husband and, and have that maid bear a child, and that child would belong to the, the, the wife, but the maid would be there to help raise the child. And although... That's what was man's law to understand the way God made us. We find out very quickly that Hagar's heart was for her child. We find out just as quickly Sarah realizes that it was not her child. Even by law, it was her child. It was not her child. And the mother of the child loved that child and would do anything for him. So that wasn't it. That wasn't it at all. So what happens out of that? Well, let's understand about Sarah. She is a good wife. What she did about Hagar was trying to fulfill what she thought was the will of God. She says, well, obviously, I'm so old, I, I, I can't have a child, so therefore, I'm going to do this so that we can fulfill the will of God for my husband. Now, you never use the worldly way to fulfill the will of God. Even back there before the law, it was wrong to turn to the things of the world to try to bring people to Christ. It was wrong to turn to the world to try to accomplish the will of God. Even back in that day. And so, here she is. She's an older lady. And uh, wondering, how can we do this? How can we fulfill the will of God? She is with her husband all the way. We're in this together. Understand that Abraham loved Sarah. She is, as we say, the love of his life. Well, that was, uh, here on earth, that was the love of his life was Sarah. He took the one given to him. He did not seek her. He did this to fulfill what Sarah wanted, but that was wrong for Abraham too because he is the husband and God had given him a promise. But now they're looking at things. This promise is going to be impossible to fulfill. 
Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is too hard for God. Sometimes that's the hardest thing for us to learn. And so, here they are. She steps out in faith. God says, no, I'm going to give you a child through Sarah. Now, when Sarah hears it, she starts laughing. Then she tries to deny it. And the Lord said, all right, you're going to have a child, but we're going to name the child Isaac, which means laughter. Okay. He must have been a fun guy. Uh, but again, she does not see the miracle without acting in faith and them coming together as husband and wife. And God blesses them. Understand. This woman is about 89 years old. For some reason or another, we just don't expect an 89-year-old lady to have a baby, do we? We just don't. And, and so, but that was, that's what happens. And so she stays there with her husband. And although she's never had a child, she wanted to help her husband fulfill the will of God. And so she goes in faith. She's a woman to look at, ladies. She was focused on the finish as well. She was very focused on the finish. There are many wives that have brought down men in full-time ministry. And so it was good that she was focused on that finish. And, and she was a support to her husband, not a detriment to her husband. And that's why I say to young men, you're looking for a wife. Don't look for the prettiest one you can find or the richest one you can find. You look for the one that loves God the most. And will be faithful and will support you all the way. Look at verse 12. Because out of verse 11 comes something in verse 12. Therefore sprang there even one and him as good as dead. So many as the stars of the sky in multitude. And as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Now, you've got to understand all of this. Ladies. When she's about 89 or 90 years old, she has a baby. Natural childbirth. <laughs> no epidural, ladies. You know that. You modern ladies know that, okay? No natural child. 90 years old. And she lives to be 123. So understand, that was something. That was something. And she gives birth to this child who is also an heir promise. But this one sprang out as good as dead. Remember, God says, okay, now Abraham, I want you to take your child, your only son. Isn't it interesting? She has, he has a son by Hagar, but since that was out of the will of God, God says, your only son. It's interesting. And he takes this son, and he goes on, and he's going to offer a sacrifice. I don't know if he told Sarah what God had told him to do. Probably he didn't, you know. Uh, or he might have had a fight getting out of there. But they walk on, and Isaac's are going to work. Well, we're, here we are. What are we going to offer? I see the wood. I see the fire. And Abraham is able to say in faith, God will provide himself a sacrifice. Now, that sounds good on the surface. But they get up there on the mountain, which later we find out is Mount Moriah. This is where Jerusalem will be. 
And he gets up there on Mount Moriah. And he builds the altar. They put the fire there. Then he ties up Isaac. Now, this is the thing about Isaac's faith. Isaac is not a little boy. He's not a little boy at this time. And Isaac willingly gets on the altar because he knows his dad's a man of God. And God has a reason. He gets up there and lays him on there. He's tied up. And then he gets that knife up ready to go down. And the Lord says, Abraham, Abraham. Not like that because it says Abraham, Abraham twice. Abraham was so intent on carrying out God's will, the angel had to yell twice, Abraham, Abraham. And then he sees the ram caught in the thicket. God provided a sacrifice which would show the sacrifice that would be provided for us on Calvary. But that was the act of faith, him as good as dead. But then one day, there's a guy called John the Baptist who looks over and sees Jesus coming and says, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And that substitute. You know, there's some ways I don't like the word substitute. Because that means you've been sitting on the bench and somebody has to get uh, a leg broken for you to get to play. But here was a case where the substitute came in and was far better than anything before. And he bore our sin right there on the cross. So, again, right there in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. The place that the Lord would establish. That Abraham to Isaac, and then Isaac to Jacob, would inherit. And although he commanded to give his son, which would be a great sacrifice, I see a man who even in old age did not abandon the plan of God. He simply trusted him, and that God was going to carry out his will even if it meant the death of his son, Isaac. And, and I believe that, I don't know this by the word of God, so, okay, but this is what I think. I think that Abram, Abraham was ready to sacrifice his son, believing God was going to raise him from the dead. I don't know that for sure, but I believe it. And so, because of this son that came through Sarah, and it was important that it's not just that his wife, but here's a wife that loved him and a wife that stayed true to trying to fulfill God's will with him. Look at verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. In other words, they knew they would die before these promises would be fulfilled. They knew that. 
and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You see, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I believe that was probably Abraham's song before it was written. He knew. He knew that now on earth he's just a stranger and a pilgrim. Therefore, his heart was not set on the world. It was set on the things of God. That's when you have eternity set in your heart. That's when it's right. That's when it's best. And so, he fulfills God's will in this manner. Now, I wonder. These died by faith. These died by faith. But they lived that faith on this earth victoriously. Maybe the reason so many Christians are afraid to be a witness is that we lack a real faith about that city whose builder and maker is God, the eternal rewards, and do we really believe what being ashamed is? Some of you know, some some young ones won't, but... Some of the older ones will remember when President Nixon resigned in disgrace. Okay, we remember that very vividly. He resigned his office in disgrace. In he was ashamed. That shameless that he had that everybody in America knew at that time is nothing compared for a Christian to be ashamed at his appearing before all those of eternity to view and to know. And it's because of the lack of faith that that day is coming. Saved so as by fire is a coming day for too many. My idea is let's not be those people. Let's be the ones that hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful in a few things. Yeah, you got uh, attacked for it. Yeah, they said things about you. Yeah, they lied about you. Yeah, they made up stories about you. Yeah, they shunned you and they didn't want you around. But hey, you stick with it. God is good. God is with you. And God will take you through. And when you get to heaven, you'll say, you'll say, you know what? The sufferings of this present time down here were not even close to being worthy of being compared to the glory that we share in. With the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, they lack a faith about that city whose builder and maker is God. They're not persuaded that it's worth it all, so they simply don't embrace the promises. You see, that's where we fail. If we'll embrace the promises, we'll believe it. You've embraced it when you live it according to the will of God and the word of God. You see, too many can't confess that they are strangers and pilgrims on earth because they don't see the eternal by faith. So they're not trusting God that they'll have confidence at his appearing. Verse 14 said, For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek for a country. They seek a country. 
In other words, again, this world is not my home. Their words, their actions, they showed by their thought and by their life that they were seeking a country, the eternal country. They pursued God throughout their whole life. So in verse 15, And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. The desire there for that country was great. And so, by their words and their actions, they just kept their heart and life there. Their desire for the world dropped. Their only desire in this world was to see souls saved and God's will accomplished. They were building up for eternity by obedience and the pursuit of God's will and God's holiness and God's righteousness. By the way, have you ever, maybe it's been you, I don't know, but you walked forward and you got things at the altar and you just prayed about it and you just said, you know what, I'm rededicating my life. I'm giving my life to the Lord and whatever his will is, I'll do it. Or maybe you know his will and you say, I'm going to do that. And so here's his will over here. But you look over there and you say, you know what? I really like that over there. Man, you know, I can remember the good times and I can remember this and all oh, those friends. And, and what happens is, is that you're over here trying to do what God tells you, but your heart and mind is over there. You're going to fall back. You are going to fall back, and, and you'll be right back there. You'll turn back. See, when you turn to Christ, even as a Christian, when you turn to him, you're turning to him with your all. With your all. You're giving him everything. And when you give him everything, then you'll find that your desire is not there. Your desires are to fulfill the will of God. That's embracing the promises of God. And so, read in verse 16. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Uh, remember, we said when he went out, he knew that this city whose builder and maker was God did not exist on earth at that time. Nor in our time. That's not what he's talking about. It was a heavenly country. He was looking forward to eternity. He was focused on the finish of this life and he was building up for eternity. So the desire for the world stopped. His desire for heaven grew. But that brings me to a thought here. But they desire a better country that is uh, and heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. I wonder. Does my life. And I know at times it does. Does my life on a continuing basis make God ashamed to be called my God? You know, as I look at that verse there, he has prepared for them a city. And again, 
I have not arrived at a final destination on this thinking. But the Bible makes much of the new Jerusalem descending from God out of heaven. The city whose builder and maker is God. But it also makes much about a new earth. I just kind of wonder. I don't know this for sure. I really don't know. So I'm, I'm telling you what I don't know for sure. But it's in my mind and heart. Is dwelling on earth going to be for people? That are saved people? But were saved so as by fire. Ashamed at his appearing. I don't know that for sure. I really don't. But it does make me stop to ponder that for a time or two. I don't want God to be ashamed to call me his child for me to call him my God. You see, there are things that we know by the word of God. For an example, will I shine as the stars forever? They that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever. It doesn't say how many get saved, but if we turn them to righteousness, we share the uh, word of God or we witness the, the gospel to them. He says, you'll shine as the stars forever. Why? Because people have to decide whether to receive it or not receive it. But we do have responsibility to witness. And there is a crown of rejoicing, 1 Thessalonians 2.19, uh, in heaven. There is a crown will shine as the stars forever. What about 1 Peter chapter 5? Where there is that crown of glory where we, we uh, edify one another in Christ. Through the word of God. What about that crown. That is incorruptible. Because we lived a life. Separated from the world. Separated unto God. Completely given to the race that he has set before us. That is the will of God for our lives. See, do I have those crowns laid up? That shows whether or not I have embraced the promises of God. Oh, that crown of righteousness. A crown of righteousness because we fight the good fight. We keep the faith. We finish the course. There's a crown. What about that crown of life that did not allow afflictions, did not allow troubles and problems to take you away from doing the will of God, but you kept on regardless of those things. See, those are the things that tell us whether or not we are embracing the promises of God. Will we fail a long way? Often. Or maybe I'm the only one. But we mostly, I think a lot of us do fail along the way. But a righteous man following seven times gets up. Gets up. And you just get up again. And you go with God. You go his way. Christians know there is an eternity. Many received Christ as their Lord and Savior because you knew that there was a hell. You knew that you could not save yourself. 
you knew that you deserved hell, but you also knew that Jesus loved you, died for you, paid your penalty. And based upon that, you received Christ as your Savior. But then, Satan has pursued you, knowing that he's lost you, that you're safe in the hands of Jesus. He pursues you with the various temptations to keep you from pursuing the will and the holiness of God in your life. His next goal is to make you saved so as by fire. And so, ours is to turn back to him when those things happen. And follow the way that he has given us to go. To have the heart for the things of God. Putting him first putting him first in your home, putting him first in your life, putting him first in all things. Isn't it interesting that in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 39, that it says that Jesus Christ can be a divider in the home. Even between a father and a son, a mother and a daughter, mother-in-law against a daughter-in-law, says he uses those examples. Why? Because there's a way, way and a will to go, and you don't compromise that even for your children. Not even for your best friends. Not even to keep a job. Christ is all in all. And a person that has that heart, that has that mind, is focused on the finish. The question to ask yourself, am I focused on the finish? Because one day you'll give an answer. Let's bow our heads, please.